This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Well, how about that, Arthur Motes? Asking you shall receive. That's what they say, man. That is what they say. Ooh, I'm digging this, though. This is, and you know I love classic rock, but I mean, this is much better than the uh, the generic 80s rock riff that we've been dealing with the last week or so. Yeah, because I ain't gonna lie, man. I can't take too many more of these rock rocks, man. It's like, <laughs> bruh, I, I, I'm cool, but I'm tired of the electric guitar. I'm tired of... Like, like, just give me, can I get one? Just give me, give me, give me, give me one segment that we don't have to come back in to the alleged guitar. So our buddy Ken, loyal, uh, loyal member of the Power Grid community, all right, uh, megawatt Ken out there for sure, emailed me this this morning, and I came in here and I said, Mozi, somebody emailed us a beat. We pulled it up, we hit the play button, it dropped. We both looked at each other, and Mozi goes. Well, hey, it doesn't have any guitar in the beginning. I already like it. <laughs> already like it, fellas. Already like it. So big shout out to Ken. We've got some music to use here finally now. And and again, you know, anybody that wants to send us beats, we'll take them. You let me know on Twitter. I'll give you my email address. You can send them to us. You know, we could use any beats. We'll use them for Five Star Friday. We'll use them for Professor Mo's Monday. I think we're gonna have to stay acapella for the "Here We Go" song, though. Unfortunately, ah oh, man, we'll see what we can do. Maybe I'll bring. I mean, my, that's an easy beat, though. Maybe I'll bring my bass. <laughs> maybe I'll bring my bass guitar in here, and we'll just lay it down. How about that? <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I, mean, I don't know. I am half tempted to do that mm-hmm. now that I say it. I mean, you brought it up there, man. Yeah. I got the amp. I got the. I got the bass guitar. We can boom, 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 boom. I thought it was a tube you was playing right there, man. Most final three things Thursday like about the Detroit Lions. For me, it's the it really does feel like they're carving out a culture. Okay. You know, they What's that I, culture, by the way? Well, biting people's kneecaps and, and not giving up. They oh, man. they're gonna go out and they're gonna draft another quarterback, I would think, probably first overall in the draft this year. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't end up taking somebody there. Okay. It, it feels like though. On de- I mean, they're so decimated on defense, but they, they have an identity. Like I mentioned earlier, they are very bought in. I I just feel like there is, you know, I never felt this under Matt Patricia. Like when they were losing games under Matt Patricia, pencil fraud, it just felt like they were wandering through the desert. Okay. Like now, it, I don't know. I at Now least, they're like, they know how they're losing. They know oh, how okay. they're losing. All they're right. at least buying in. They're at least competitive. You know, maybe I'm kind of stealing this from my first first thing I like of that they fight, but it, it does feel like they're they're really trying to carve out a culture there in Detroit. They've got a style of play on defense. I think if they could get healthy, we'd start to see that a little bit on offense. Their offensive line really needs some help. Panay Sewell, you and I both like. Other than him, they really need some help. But I think at least in a place like Detroit where they have had a lot of negativity, and I'll get to this when we talk about our don't likes, it feels like finally for the first time they are bought in. They're starting to carve out a little bit of a culture. Hmm. For the culture. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where this culture is going. But We'll see. They're anywho, biting kneecaps. Yeah. I'm talking about wins and losses. Anywho, um, for me, though, the last thing that I do like is uh, An- uh, Alex Anzalone, um, inside linebacker for them. Played in New Orleans for a while, man. For me, I like the fact that he gives them a little bit more range in terms of his coverage ability athletic ability as well i would love him more as a number two linebacker mm. 
in terms of if you're pairing him with a uh, A-type linebacker, a uh, LB1, I think that he would excel even more in that role. But, you know, it's kind of the cards he's dealt. But to me, I do like his game a little bit, man. Him and uh, Charles Harris as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well said. Arthur Motes, now on to the dislikes. I think this was a little bit easier for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Number one for me, I told you I'd touch on this guy. Uh, you said Panay Sewell, and you mm-hmm. like him, and I agree. What I dislike is how they've used him mm-hmm. his rookie season. They're moving him back and forth from left tackle mm-hmm. to right tackle. I don't like that. I understand it might serve your team best here in the interim. But let's be honest. Where are you going anyways? I thought it was the culture. <laughs> the, this you, is one you thing said they got the culture, culture over here, man. That I do not like. <laughs> I, I, I love Panay Sewell. I want to be clear on that. <laughs> I was... One of the people, and you know what? It's why they get paid the big bucks and not me. I was one of the people that was laughing at the Bengals when they passed on Panay Sewell in the draft. Now I think Jamar Chase has worked out just fine there. Mm-hmm. I really liked Panay Sewell. I thought he was perhaps the best player, just point blank period, in the draft last year. Mm-hmm. I hate, though, moving him back and forth from the left to right side. It's not like he is Alan Fanica, you know, when the Steelers are moving Alan Fanica around a bunch, but that's <laughs> right. because he was like an eight-year veteran at that point. This guy's a rookie on a really bad team on a really bad offensive line. Nail him down to one position and let him get comfortable there. Let him excel there. Let him grow there. Quit moving him from left to right side. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't think they got a choice in that, though, man. <laughs> they don't. I mean, they're pretty banged up. I mean, because even right now, right, if Decker doesn't come back, it's Matt Nelson starting at right tackle, a converted D lineman. Like, just think about that. Yeah. Just, yeah, so I don't really think they got – they options. don't have a lot of yeah. options, but I still don't like it for Panay Sewell's development. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, for me, man, I guess the first thing I don't like about them, man, it is a lot. Stuff is a lot of stuff. But it's Jared Goff. That's how I start out with. Yeah. Um, to me, I think he's very limited as a passer. Um, at times, his uh, toughness looks like it comes into question as well. Um he is a talented player, though, which is the weird thing, right? You see him, and it's like, he can make a lot of throws, but I don't think he sees the field well. I think that the crutch of having McVay be there for him and call, you know, coverages out to him pre-snap really handicapped him and stunted his growth, and now he's really behind the eight ball when mm-hmm. you take that handicap away from him. And I think that that's another reason why he hasn't been as good as he's been statistically in the past. I think that's well said i think that's very well said arthur motes and i think a big part of that might be the absence of sean mcveigh in his ear before every single play not to be critical but that certainly helps number two don't like for the detroit lions killer injuries motesy i mean it's one thing to be devoid of talent mm-hmm. and to be you know new coach new culture trying to work all these new things in the right direction but when you combine that and you lose legitimately, arguably your best offensive player and your best defensive player, that's tough. I mean, Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league. If you go back and you watch the tape, I think it was week four that he got hurt. He was one of the best centers in the NFL the first three, four weeks of the season. And Mm -hmm. ever since then, the offensive line has fallen apart in his absence since he got moved to the injured reserve. I think it was with a foot injury he's done for the year. Jeff Okuda, one of the best, most talented young defensive backs in the NFL. He's out injured. He's probably the brightest light on their defense, the best thing they have going for him. So their best offensive lineman, their best uh, defensive talent, both out for the year. Okwara is also out. Cephas is also out for the season. I mean, they have four starters 
two, I think, dynamite players that could play for just about any team in the league, mm-hmm. and the other two solid guys as well, too. Motes, when you're struggling, when you're a young team with a new coaching staff, the last thing you can have is killer injuries, and they have had those in spades. That's tough. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. It definitely is tough, man. But for me, the uh, next thing I had to talk about is just how they are at the line of scrimmage. I don't think that either side of the ball wins enough at the line of, at the uh, point of attack. Um, you talk about the offensive line. At times, they don't protect the best. You look at how many times Goss has been sacked. I think it's 22 times, if I remember correctly. That's a lot. That's a lot. When you watch him on defense, uh, running backs are able to get two, three yards before they're even touched by their D-line. That's not good. That puts your inside linebackers in a bind. So, to me, man, I just think that they have to be better at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, that's definitely something else that I do not like. Can't stand it. I hate it. Don't like it. Need to be better. Can't win with them. Block them. Can't do it. Come on. Moat's last thing for me. (laughs) Just the vibes around the franchise. Right? Man, I thought it was culture, bro. They're carving out a culture. (laughs) The guys on the roster. But that, I think, is different from the vibes around the franchise. And I mean this largely from the fan base, from the city, from the media that covers the team. It's, honestly, very Pittsburgh Pirates-like. It's like the season's over before it even begins. It's like you lost before you take the field. And that defeatist mentality, Motes, Mm -hmm. that can permeate everything. I don't know if like you could speak to this during the years where you were with the Buffalo Bills and you guys were just struggling Mm -hmm. and and not able to get anything going in the right direction. But, man, the Lions have been like this for a – the last time they won a playoff game was the 90s, I think. Um, I mean, they just – uh, yeah, it's been a minute for them, man. When you have that defeatist mentality from the fan brace, from the media, I think sometimes that that can just permeate elsewhere. And so while at the same time I could say it sounds weird that the Lions do fight, that they don't roll over yeah. and they don't play dead, there's also just that air of bad vibe around the franchise that is always there with the Lions. It was there with the Browns forever. Mm-hmm. And it felt like last year they finally started to get away from that stink, right? But... Like I said, I think if you're a Pirates fan, you can draw an example there. It's just that that mentality can kind of permeate everything, and it's really hard to overcome. you got to find ways, I think, to win some games and have some things to hang your hat on because the the vibes around the franchise, that defeatist mentality, that can spoil a lot of things. Oh, I like that, man. Definitely can see that. See, that's why for me, I'm like, I don't like anything about the culture. I think it, all of it is bad. But I like your optimism about I'm trying culture. to be I, nice, Mozzie. They've had a long I'm like, season. I don't, I, don't, I don't see any optimism over here. I don't know what you're talking about. But for me, man, the, my last thing is they don't have any studs right now. I mean, granted, guys are hurt, but I just don't think they have enough dogs. Like, when you talk about the Steelers defense, right, we can name off T.J. Watt. We can name off Cam Hill. We can talk about Minka Fitzpatrick. Those are three studs. We could throw Joe Hayden in there, right? Those are A-level players, right, or high, super high-end players. When we talk about Detroit defensively right now, due to some of the injuries, but also just personnel-wise, they don't have that on defense. Then when you shift to offense, yes, they have T.J. Hawkinson, who we're high on, but then there's a drop-off. I mean, we talk about Panay, and Panay is playing well, but Panay, once again, he might be flipping again. I don't like him as much at right tackle as I do at left tackle. But that's the circumstance that they're in right yeah. now, so they don't yeah. really have a choice. But the wide receiver group, it's not a lot of talent there where you're saying, man, this is kind of scary. Or even the quarterback position. At least with us at, at, on the back end of Ben, it's still at least it's like, all right, well, it's Ben. Like, 
it still holds some type of spookiness to it, right? Mm-hmm. With golf, it's never been there. So, like, those are the things that I think of. And then running back-wise, I do think their combination of Swift and Williams is good, but it still isn't to the extent of Najee Harris and what you have to do to account for him and game plan around him. So, to me, man, them not having, you know, A-level players, just stud type of guys yeah. out there, to me is another thing that I don't like. There it is. Three things Thursday. That was an elongated version today. I mean, we started with it. We went to Mr. Backo. I like it. Well, you know, we had to switch it up a little bit. Sometimes you just got to weave in and out. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's like traffic. <laughs> what do you say we get to some of these tweets, Arthur Mudds, to close down the show as we always do? Sounds like a bloody marvelous idea. Me tweets us. Who? Me. Uh, what up, though? What's up, me? Westman and Dr. Motes. three questions on a Thursday. What Number happened? one. Let's do it. Which Steeler offensive player needs to step it up a notch for the second half of the season? You said we still offensive player? Offensive player. I mean, the low-hanging fruit is just to say the O-line. Pick any of them. Right. That's like the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to go with Ebron, though. How about that? Okay. With what we've seen from Fryermuth with some of the injuries of the wide receiver department, if Eric Ebron could get humming like he was at times last year, that would be a nice added wrinkle to this offense for the second half of the year. Yeah, see, I don't want to go there because then I feel like that's going to take away from Pat. And I want Pat to eat. Nah, I like both. Ah, uh, I like Pat. I like both. I'm, I like Pat. <laughs> I like I like winning games, baby. Pat and, number one. And, and Pat. Don't get it twisted. Pat but does there's that. room for TM2, TE2 to be productive as nah, well. Nah, I get it. I get it. But I'm just concerned that if Ebron does come back, he's going to go into tight end one role. Okay. That changes things for me. That yeah, changes how does. I look at this offense drastically. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, not not as big a fan of that. But um, in terms of a player that I want to see improve, well, it sucks because he just got hurt then. Chase Claypool, I want to see mm, more combat catches, as well too. more productivity because it's been some 50-50 balls that, you know, it's kind of been left out there. And for him to take that next step to Good be answer, a dominant cousin. player, to be a A-level player, those are the type of catches he has to come down with. We heard Ben talk about it, I think it was week two or week three, when he was like, man, when I throw it to Chase – we know this is your rule. You're either coming down with it or you're drawing a penalty. Anything else is unacceptable because you're capable of that. So for me, man, that that that's the guy that, like I said, I hate because he's injured now. I mean, yeah. the timing of it. But since it's not season ending and he is going to be able to return at some point, we don't know full availability no, and details since it's new. Fair. But he's the guy, man. It's fair because before the injury, the conversation would have been the same. I, I, I think that that's fair. Number two, what's cooler? Multiple Spider-Man in the new Spider-Man movie Mm -hmm. or multiple Batman in the new Flash movie? See, I think I know where you're going on this. No, man. uh, The Spider-Man. Multiple Spider-Mans are cool. And I like it because my little man going to like it. See, I was going to say Spider-Man because everyone I think knows I'm much more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. Mm, Okay. Why are you discriminating? You know what, too? I just think... Why you always feel you got to pick and choose, man? You can't like them both? Now that I'm thinking out loud here, I might actually like the actors that have played Batman more than the ones that have played Spider-Man. I definitely do. I, I mean, I really yeah. like, especially if we bring in old school, too. I mean, yeah. if we rope in, like, Michael Keaton and George Clooney in this conversation, it's over, over. Yes, I, I would strongly agree with that. Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny? Like, I loved the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man growing up. Tobey was cool, uh, I think man. he's a big dork now. Yeah. But granted, that's kind of how Spider-Man's supposed to be, so it does work. I'm going Spider-Man, though. Yeah, Spider-Man's dope. Number three, and final question from me. Construct the best hot dog. Bun. 
Hot dog, chili, <laughs> cheese. I those two would be there. Whoa, not everybody uses that. Yeah, right, let's be right, real. Yeah, not right. everybody uses that. Yeah. Right. Some people be like, every hot dog, right, you got to chop it up into to tins. You know, just chop, 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 chop. <laughs> and you put it on a plate, put a little ketchup with a smiley face, and I say, eat it. Like, yeah. You funny. <laughs> so some people do it, though, You man. funny. <laughs> All right. Well, you said bun, hot dog. What else you got? I said chili and cheese. Chili and cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go same as Arthur Modes. Bun, hot dog, chili, cheese. Also, though, mustard and just a kiss of coleslaw. No onions, though. Wow, look at this dude. Well, see, I I like wow. the I like the onions, but if guy. I do the kiss of coleslaw, it kind of same similar vibe, but just a little more sweetness. Wow. And listen, I'm the one on this show no that relish. worked at a hot dog stand no for two That's years. Crazy. All right, for two years. Two Come years. I, I've I've been a food industry employee for three. It's all right. You ain't working at a hot dog shop. I worked at a you ain't food at the hot dog restaurant shop. industry, you man. You ain't got hot dogs on your W-2. That's all I'm saying, man. Multiple years. <laughs> Brian from Washington, our Pacific Northwest Yenzer, wants Shout to out. know. I got a random question for Arthur Motes. Give me your favorite memory of Big Ben during your time with the Steelers. It could be a specific play, a oh, moment, no, a speech. Man. Um, Cincinnati Bengals on the road, playoff game. He's gone. Landry's in because Ben gets hurt. And then we see an 07 come around that mountain. Came around that mountain on that horse. <laughs> Her arm dangling, and we was like, Mama, there goes that man. Reinforcements are here. Yeah, yeah. By far my favorite moment from seven. That's a great when that man came out that locker room, I could have cried tears of joy. I said, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. It's like if you've been stranded for, like, days, and you're like, oh, man, I'm starting to have the blurry vision. Man, I'm about to just kill over. It's over right here. And then you just see on the horizon. Help is coming. Reinforcements have arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never forget that moment, man. I'm smiling right now you just are. thinking you about it. I haven't seen you grin because, this wide man, in a long time. Not only was it awesome, but for me, man, it was like, yo, this is, you know, how I was advancing the playoffs, baby. Like, you popping it because I had never had a playoff victory up until that point either. You know, the year prior, we had got beat by the Ravens. Uncharted territory. Yeah, the year before that, we had lost to the Ravens at home. So, this is one of those games where, like, bro, we're here. We got a moment. Let's do it. And then when he got hurt, you're like, dude, like, we're going to lose because of this. And then he came back. He rose like Lazarus from the grave. I said, Lord, church. I started to throw my tithe out there on the Escaloosa. And what I started to do is just 10% one way out. I was happy. Passing around the collection plate for you know seven. That's what he did to it, man. Uh, Brian, I know you just asked Motsi, but I'll give you mine as well, too. My favorite Brent Roethlisberger moment always will be 2005 AFC Championship game against the Denver Broncos. Ben has that crazy play where he scrambles around, scrambles around, scores a touchdown, and then he runs down the sideline and does the double finger guns all excited because the Steelers just clinched a trip to the Super Bowl after losing in the AFC Championship game to them stinking Patriots the year before. It was a heck of a run. Underdogs on the road against Cincinnati. Underdogs on the road against Peyton Manning and the Colts and the referees when they tried to rob us. Cheat that! And then underdogs in the (laughs) AFC Championship game on the road against Jake the Snake and the Broncos out there in the Mile High City. It was Jake out there? Yeah, it was the Jake Plummer Broncos. How did I know that? Yeah. And I tell you what, when Ben scored that touchdown, put that game away for the Steelers, there was no doubt in my mind that the Pittsburgh was getting one for the thumb, first Super Bowl in my lifetime. I was jacked up. I was excited. Young Ben Roethlisberger, finger gunning down the sideline. 
Uh, that's always good. Uh, with a caveat, all right? If Ben get wins a Super Bowl this year and retires and rides off into the sunset, that'll be my new moment. But oh, all right. As for now, it's 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 young Ben. Pew 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 pew. Oh, boy, say a finger gun. Out there in Denver, because you know why they shot me in Denver. Was that the reason? No. Oh, I was gonna say. I, I think he was just excited. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I don't think I was there was like, any was reason the he did the. Fa- oh. Maybe he did though. I don't. I don't know. Because it was the week before when Bill Cowher said, "Peasy, can you be quiet?" And Peasy said, "Oh no, they shot me in oh. Denver." Yeah, I was just curious. Like, so maybe man, it was actually. I, I know you're the historian. You you have you know these type of details, in man. In February at the Steelers Super Bowl parade, we'll right? Asking, when, we, when we're, we're doing asking. our show live and we have been on, and he makes his announcement that he's retiring, and then we get Trevor Lawrence. Oh, oh wait, that part, that part, that ship already. Mm-mm. That part already. Well, when Ben's on our show on the Super Bowl parade in February in Pittsburgh. We're going to ask him, those finger guns in, in Denver, was that an homage to, to Joey Porter or was that just something that happened in the moment and, and after the fact kind of works out pretty nicely? We'll have to ask Benjamin Roethlisberger that, again, at the Super Bowl parade in February. Uh, Julie tweets us and says, don't like for the Steelers slot corner situation. Mm. Do like the run game and the offensive line finally seeing some light. Najee and Boz are her first half stars so far. Can't go wrong with those two either. There's, there's some, that that slot quarter two, position as well too, Motsi. That that could have made our list as well too. Yeah, but it's been a little bit of a revolving door. It I has. mean, we've seen multiple guys in there: Cam Sutton, uh, Trey Norwood, Arthur Mallet. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be forgetting someone, yeah. but I feel like we've seen multiple guys. And at times, all those guys have made plays. I mean, as much as we will act or overreact to the Arthur Mallet situation at the end of the game, mm-hmm. just but two three weeks ago, we were in here singing his praises. Mm-hmm. Same with Trey Norwood. I mean, all of those guys, Cam Sutton included, they've all had their moments where they've looked really good and they've had moments where, you know, you you had that feeling of a little bit more wanting to be desired and stuff like that. But to me, man, I just I, – hopefully they'll find something a little bit more stable going forward. Yeah. Agreed. Sensei tweets us and says, I got a fun exercise for you fellas. What players from this era do you think would make good position coaches? I'm a fan of James Ferrier coaching up some linebackers. I think the, 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 those types are always the the ones that I think make the best coaches. Yeah, like not the truly elite, the guys who were good, but they had to do it mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to be cerebral or cerebral as well too. Um, so with that in mind, I got, hey, Joe Hayden would probably be a pretty good coach. Joe could definitely be a very guy. talented, but also thinks the game at a very high level. Like Luke Keekley, I feel like is cut from that kind of cloth. Are we talking NFL or just Steelers? Oh uh, well, that's true. He said. Just what players from this millennium. Oh. So I guess we could keep it to just Steelers. Gotcha. Because I was going to say, well, I'll throw Ray Lewis in there, too. You're going to motivate Lewis. the heck out of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Any of the safeties. Ed Reed. Uh, Cam Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just guys yeah. who thought, who maybe weren't just the most point-blank talented but even Ed Reed's Ed Reed had all the talent and he had all the the mentors well, as well too. That's, that's how those guys would come Hall of Famers. You talk about them. That's, Correct. That's the different part. Correct. Don't AB in there too, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. Big Chest. I mean, he. I mean, six round draft pick, right? <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> the lit one. <laughs> he would have thrown. That's crazy. Redemption. I mean, he, he, as yeah, a coach of all experiences, let's man. Do it, let's do it. Throw him in there, man. The lit one, Rebecca. The lit, the lit, lit. Says Wes, are you gonna break down and watch the pit game tonight? I will be at the Penguins game tonight. I'll probably check. Yeah, I'll probably be home for the fourth quarter. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> Steeler Nation 920 says, Wes talking but, about that but, Super Bowl run. You know, Make tonight, me tear man, up. 
tonight could be watching our future quarterback next year. Who yeah, knows? Sam Howell. You never know. I mean, either, either one, yeah. Got to see him in big moments, both of them, man. I will say the funny thing that you bring up Sam Howell. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He, look, he played for some J for a little bit sometimes, man. Hold he got to improve himself. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh, what's, what's going on? First of all, you're going to take unsolicited shots at WVU. Like, WVU wouldn't be one of the best I'm teams in the on, ACC this year. I'm on your team. Right? Actually, there's, I don't – I can't – There's four I can't, teams in the I Big 12 that I can walk not, away with the no, ACC no, 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 no. Now, now, you said WVU. Now, wait a minute. Not now, WVU. Oh. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State would all wax everyone would do that. I didn't talk now, about WV Oklahoma. WV would finish like second or third in the in, yeah. the, in the ACC. I mean, because technically that's where Pitt's right now. <laughs> no, they're first. Oh, even yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Poverty conference. I'm just saying, man. Mo, hold on though. You said you, you want to see. You said you want to see what these guys can do in a big game. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you a little secret? Is it not a big game for those two guys though? Twenty thousand people at Heinz Field on a Thursday night ain't a big game. Hello. But you think of it only in the sense of audience. We're talking the sense of relevance. It's a difference, man. 70,000 people could show up to watch a team lose. They still lose it. You know what I mean? Hey. This is like, this is relevance Talk right here, man. This is relevance, bro. falls in the forest. But no one's there to hear it. It's on ESPN. Everybody's going to oh, hear it. Come on, what? man. There's going to be 35 NFL <laughs> scouts there to watch the quarterback. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, baby. Come on now. Yeah, it, it's significant enough for them scouts yeah, to be out there. Here, here's how significant yeah, that's it all is. I'm from saying, the man. scouting desk of Wesley Euler, uh-huh. uh, neither is a first-round pick. Okay, thank you very all much. Right. It sounds good. Moving along. And then, and then, and then Moving along nicely. six months from now, West can be over here singing one of these quarterback praise. Like, yeah, man, I always knew this guy was going to be good. Big nope. fan of him. Yeah, nope. sure was. Nope. I like Malik Wills at <laughs> Liberty. I like Matt Quarrel at Ole Miss. How could you like Malik Wills? Are we serious right now? Oh, he nice. <sighs> I forgot. You know, I don't I like for, him because he's not a 17th year senior oh, picking on 19 year olds. Oh, Lord. I forgot who I was talking to. Oh, Lord. <laughs> DJ tweets us and says, nice to, nice to meet you, Mozi, in the red lot on oh, Monday. Yeah, respect, man. I was love. That game was a blast. Perfect for a first game. Dang near had a heart attack, but they pulled through. My likes, Najee's running ability, Pat Fryermuth, more reps, Cam with the interceptions. Don't like offensive line revolving door and special teams mistakes. Mm, yeah, yeah, we did have a turnover. But special teams as a whole has been playing well. But this is in right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Nation 920, uh, three Lions likes, the uniforms and the logo, Barry Sanders and the Steelers always win, dislikes. Barry. They give the Packers two free wins every year. They have uh, had two great players in Barry and in Megatron who never sniffed the championship there. And three, Jared Goff is overrated. No no quarrels from me. I'm not rating that man high anyways. TC says, Boom. He's uh, a <laughs> number one, who's your guy's favorite all-time Detroit Lions player? Mine is Barry Sanders. Uh, that's my answer too, right? Yeah, it's got to be Barry. I mean, right? I mean, Tron is a nice 1B, but it's Barry Sanders is just Barry, so yeah. unique, so much fun. You could, you could cut on his highlight tapes at any time, and it's – it's a lot of fun. Number two, boxed scallop Man, potatoes you know what? or Funny homemade. Thing, though, who do you think is more? Who was more dominant at their position, though? Ooh, now you're asking the tough questions. Because I do feel like we always will say Barry. But I mean, you can make cakes. <laughs> you can make a case. Who was more dominant? You know what? I'll say this. I'm not an offensive line expert. Mm-hmm. Someone who is can tweet me and tell me if I'm right or wrong. I. We can like go. the equivalent of Matthew Stafford as your quarterback 
to the offensive line that Barry ran behind. Like, I got to think Matthew Stafford is probably a better quarterback than the O-line that Barry was running behind, if that makes sense. And maybe that doesn't even matter. Maybe that's just a cop-out. Right, because to me, my argument to that would always be, well, at least Barry isn't dependent upon – how he gets the ball. He can get the ball. That's also true. Very easy. That's Whereas, also a good point. Yeah, you really you got to have someone throw you. That's a good point. You can be wide hey, open killing guys, and it's mouth, like, bro. I don't bruh. like that answer because you're making good points. Man, but I, I'm going to think about that, though. because We'll have to think about that. Both of them dudes are beasts, man. Uh, there's no wrong answer there. Yeah. Uh, first ballot, guys, for sure. TC, uh, box scallop potatoes, homemade. Thoughts on scallop potatoes, Arthur Motes. Uh, I don't discriminate. Yeah, I'll take I, don't them have a, I don't have an issue. Yeah, I'd take box, box I'll take them homemade, however you want to feel. Am I, I, are we supposed to have a stronger stance on that, though? I don't know. I don't know. What if, says what, if box, you ma- what if what if they're boxing? You make them at home. Does that make them homemade? <laughs> homemade inbox. There we go. TC says number three, not a question. Please just don't ever mention Pro Football Focus again. Remember, only when it works to serve our argument. We don't talk about those guys. Uh, a couple people responding well to the beat there. Uh, we thank you guys and thanks to our guy Ken. Yeah, yes, show absolutely, him some man. love on the Twitter.com for throwing that together. Um, we've had a couple tweets here, Motsi. Uh, Richard tweets us. Yinzer Steve tweets us. Want to know Steelers just signed to the practice squad an outside linebacker Tuoti Mariner. Yeah, it looks um, like out of it. He was with the Falcons. Um, you know much about this guy? Not a ton off the top of my head. We'll but have more he, for he, you tomorrow. He was on their roster though this season. I want to say. Um, actually, had I want to say he had a sack against the Raiders if I remember correctly. But um, as a whole, still, I mean, not a high-end move, but it's not a run-of-the-mill guy necessarily. Um, former D lineman, though, converted to outside linebacker. So kind of remind, like hearing his story kind of reminds me of uh, Anthony Ciccolo because when we drafted Chick, Chick was a D lineman at Miami, like hand in the dirt, mm-hmm. think Cam Hayward mm-hmm. style, and then they did the full body makeover, cut weight, and that was ultimately how he was able to transition to the outside linebacker position. This guy sounds like it was a similar story where he played D-line in college and then made the shift, changed his body and things like that. So it'll be interesting, though, man. That it will. That it will. Let's see here. I'm glad you had to say his name. One last refresh. <laughs> Rod Dallas says Malik, Malik Willis is a beast. There we go, Rod. Man, y'all got to stop that, bro. Hey! Next, y'all gonna be ten. Spencer Rattler should be number one overall. No, he stinks. Nah, that that's that's his next man. That's he stinks. Mm-hmm. I gotta told you that as a big as a noted Big Twelve guy here. Wallace says last one here likes number one young tight ends Fryermuth and Gentry showing improvement. Number two, Thunder and Lightning TJ and Cam. Number three, Najee dislikes offensive line depth or sorry, uh, outside linebacker depth, defensive line depth, and running back number two. Do we actually have one? Oof. Do we? You want technically? Te- or? I mean, <laughs> do, that's, a, that's a good question, actually. Uh, do do we or do we not have? Let me just say this, Arthur Motes. Let me just say this. All right. Huh. Next season, I would like to see a a, a new and improved RB number two to uh, spell Najee for a, time a more time. defined division of labor for said RB two is what you're also implying. It sounds that like that is what I am. Okay. Implying. I, I, you know what? I second that emotion. <laughs> hey, I'm the one singing the songs around here. Hey, why don't you step on my toes around here? Oh, what my bad, my bad, my bad. Guy, hey? I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. Zero problems, big Zero fella. Zero problems. Come on now. Big shout out to my co-host, Arthur Motes. Great show today, if I do say so myself. Thanks to our guy, Brian Backo of the tell Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I don't get the air horn when you shout me out. That's crazy. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, okay, okay. There it is. There it is. And uh, we got to shout out Ken 
for the new beats. Absolutely, man. And as always, this we'll do this from time to time. We will shamelessly solicit for more beats. If you are a creator, you drop them in our inbox. We'll holla at you. We'll play them on the show. We'll show and you don't, some love. And don't give us no tricksies either, man, where, you know, you're trying to claim yeah, it like it's yours and it's not yours. Yeah, don't drop a, uh, you know, like a bad now. word in there that's going to get us fined or Seriously, anything. Seriously, man. <laughs> we we don't want to play those games today. No, we do not. Because I'm going to point the finger at Wes. I see comfort all the time, baby. Shout out Moti. <laughs> shout out Bacco. Shout out our buddy Ken. And shout out to everybody for hopping on the Twitter.com, as always. Uh, big game tonight in town. Yeah, rooting for the local team. The Penguins. Now he's talking hockey, man. What are we doing today? A big football game in town. Two quarterbacks. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow on Friday with all of our typical hijinks. Five-star Friday. Here we go song. Predictions. All that good stuff. You know where to find us. High noon, as always. It's on your 24-7. Home of the black and goat. Steelers Nation Radio.